Hey guys, before I start off the episode, I noticed that we've finally uh, made it uh, up to 100 average plays per episode, Um, so we've really risen on the chart, Uh, and I really wanted to thank all of you guys for that, because you guys are the ones uh, who are responsible uh, for keeping the show going for so long. Um, and, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for taking time out of your week, uh, to listen to Politics Weekly, and we hope, uh, to continue to deliver in future episodes. So, uh, I just wanted to say that, and without further ado, uh, enjoy today's episode. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Mr. Gorbachev, Tear down this wall. The era of big government is over. President Review, a podcast review of all 45 presidents from Washington to Trump. New episodes every Friday on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. To Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. On the second roundtable episode of Politics Weekly, we'll discuss Howard Schultz's potential independent run for president, whether it will affect the outcome of the 2020 race, and we'll also talk about the controversial photo surrounding Virginia Governor Ralph Northam.
Okay, everyone, welcome back to Politics Weekly. Uh, we are here uh, with the second round table episode. Um, we're here with uh, Refounding Father, who is a right-wing libertarian, a paleo-libertarian slash anarcho-capitalist. And we are also here with... Um, we're also here with Bennett Martin 2020, who is a progressive liberal. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having Thank us you. on. All Thank right. you so much. So, um, typically we start with the news, but there were a few issues, um, that, uh, uh, Bennett wanted to bring up with Refounding Father. Uh, so, uh, what were some of the issues you wanted to, to bring up, uh, with him earlier? All right, so you are a uh, okay. For, we'll get to cultural issues later, but uh, I want to start on economics first. So, econom. You said before you're an economic libertarian. Am I correct? I am. Yes, I'm a Austrian free market capitalist, laissez-faire. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, do you believe? I know you're an anarcho-capitalist, but I just want to make sure. Do you believe there are certain regulations we should put on the market, or do you want to have complete anarchy with the markets? Uh, ideally, I do want complete market anarchy, yes. So, I mean, I think uh, in the modern day, like, and this is where I differ from some libertarians, like if um, sites like Google and Facebook that, I correct me if I'm wrong, they do get government subsidies and, you know, are banning people, I think that that's not a good idea. Like, that's like the government banning free speech. I'm like a bit skeptical about, like, you know, subsidized uh what is it, corporations, like getting money from the government, spying on people, collecting their data. So I don't know if that's really a regulation, but that's really the only thing I uh, would support. But other than that, I'm for complete market anarchy, ideally. Like, All right, so I'm going to get to this issue. So I, uh, in case you don't know, I live in southeast Texas. I live an hour outside of Houston, uh, Cleveland to be more specific. And you're a Wisconsinian, am I correct? Yes. You're from Wisconsin, a cheesehead. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, so I hope you survive. I hope you, you and your family are okay after the after the polar vortex y'all just went through. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, um, one year ago we went through the wet hell that was Hurricane Harvey. And a bunch, and I personally had, it was miserable for me. I went through all kinds of hell. My house did not flood, but I was stuck at my fam, uh, my other family's house, and I had to get, I was stuck. Um, and finally, the house finally flooded, and we had to get boated out and rescued. And I spent a whole week having to clean out houses. It was it was miserable. That does but anyway, um, yeah, um, it was miserable, but... We had a bunch of problems here in the industrial area of Houston. In case you don't know, Houston um, Houston is kind of shaped like London, England, where the east side is industrial and uh, pretty much like low income. And the west side is where all the suburbs and the rich, uh, wealthy people are. Mm-hmm. So in, during Hurricane Harvey, we had a bunch of plants are located near bodies of water. And during the hurricane, we had a bunch of plants flood, not adequately um, prepared to handle the flooding they had. And a bunch of people argued that they were not regulated enough to where they should be up to date with the climate of Houston and our constant proponency to flood and get massive hurricanes because they are located 
located on the bay of the Galveston Bay, which easily floods when we have hurricanes. Marco Capitalist Society, or as I said, but anyway, a lot of the reasons they flooded and they broke down because of the flood they regulated. And in a narco capitalist society, how can you prevent things like that from happening? Now, just, well, uh, can one, I just clarify uh, for people that don't know what anarcho-capitalists that are listening? Uh, anarcho-capitalism yeah. is uh, essentially uh, this idea, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about anything, we're founding father, that uh, the uh, that the government should be abolished um, and the market should uh, completely replace uh, the state. So, in other words, instead of having government-funded uh, police forces or government-funded um, uh, programs or military, that would all be funded by the private sector. Mm-hmm. But, but anyways, continue. Sorry, I just wanted to make that clear for anybody who didn't know what it was. Yeah, so um, let's assume that, you know, there were, the government regulations would have prevented it, right? Like, I'll just assume that, like, obviously. Like, wait, but let's assume there were. I mean, if you're going to build, like, a plant close to there and you don't that's kind of and i don't want to sound rude but it's almost like you know a natural selection like it's kind of on you to make sure your business is okay you know get proper insurance it's like you know if you don't get insurance for your business and your business burns down like that's not you know like the government needs to go in and do anything but i would think that the market would kind of demand or even just common sense would demand that you know you would have the proper equipment for flooding. And if you don't, you're eliminated from the market force if something happens and you get replaced. And, you know, if you honestly aren't, you know, if you don't, you know, know enough to, with your plant, make sure it's ready to survive a hurricane, then that's kind of on you and you know, really be running the business. But also I think, you know, insurance companies could, you know, to, I think the real anarcho-capitalist solution would be that if your business was, uh, what is it, ins- covered by insurance, then the insurance company might require those regulations. Otherwise, you might not get covered properly because that's what a lot of anarcho-capitalists want is to replace, like, government with voluntary insurance and charity. So I think mostly, you know, that would be the common factor is, like, if you could give me an example of, like, a um, regulation or that would prevent that it would be like you know how an insurance company if you uh what is it if you don't have a good history with your driving record they're not going to cover you like if you don't have a good history at you know having the regulations they're not going to cover you so does that make sense kind of what I'm to i did kind of uh, phrase that uh wrong uh, okay so what i'm saying is these chemical plants uh, one of them exploded and released a bunch of chemicals into the air and af- infected a bunch of neighborhoods. And there was a massive evacuation of east of east of the east side of Houston. So it was hell, especially with a lot of the roads are still closed from the flooding. This is a public safety hazard, and these plants contain lots of toxic chemicals that can wipe out the city of Houston if things go wrong. Yeah, like the chemicals that Saddam Hussein used. Uh, to eliminate that whole city. I can't remember what it was called in Iraq in 1988. And that's what prompted George H.W. Bush to his bullshit war. I'm not going to get into that now. But this is a, what I'm saying is why the government should get involved with safety hazard. And this can cause massive amounts of public health risks among for hundreds of miles if this gets into the air. Mm-hmm. And they're not adequately regulated to withstand 
they're not regulated okay. and had the right building codes withstand what they went through. Well, again, um, like I'm saying, you know, if the building codes are off and your insurance won't cover you, so let's assume that the chemicals did leak, you know, just like what would happen to the in a government if they leaked and harmed a bunch of people, the people would sue and an insurance company, you know, if you didn't properly have it up to standards, they wouldn't cover you, so they would have to pay reparations and if that makes sense. So it would kind of be you know, they'd have no may not have a lawyer to protect them necessarily and if they did, you know, the proof would be against them to pay back. Okay, well, yeah, I heard this argument like, well, if the business doesn't do what it's supposed to do, then it'll go out of business. But then the problem, what the the argument is, well, how many people will suffer until oh. the word gets in, hey, this business is shitty? Are you talking about, like, they'll lose their jobs when the business goes out? If you're, Is that what you're referring to, or? No. How many from their flaws... How many people okay. must suffer? Um, how many people must get cancer from these toxic chemicals before we realize, hey, we have to sue this company? How many people yeah. have to die? How many people with asthma must choke? So it's not really. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but like, let's assume it was um, how it is now with the government. If they broke, the, let's say a business did. Because, you know, assuming if you're going to have a business, you're going to want to be relatively safe. But, you know, the same people who would bypass it now would probably bypass it in an anarcho-capitalist society. So let's say they did have bad regulations and it leaked and the people got sued. By that point, everyone would boycott, sue. There might be vigilant justice. That would be the same in a government. If they met the standards, the same amount of people would die. The government would shut it down. So it would be a similar situation. If that makes sense. It's not like but then, you but know you because you know the government can't really because the government can't really prevent crime. It can really only uh, what is it like arrest people and stuff. Like it's the same sort of the idea of like murdering. It's like well, the government really can't stop me from right now going in and harming my neighbor, but they'd catch me after. And it would be the same thing with business regulations. Like if that makes sense, like. What were some of the uh, other? Sorry, what were some of the other questions? Did uh, did you have a lot of other questions or a couple more questions uh, aside from this after this? Uh, yes, yeah. I actually do. Okay, how many? Not how many. many. Not many. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, you can ask away. This is interesting because not a lot of people know about this ideology. <laughs> okay, uh, so. All right, so if okay, so when you, when the plant is built, if there's a government regulation before it can begin operations, it can have building inspectors come through and inspect it to make sure that it's up to the standard, so it can withstand mm-hmm. hurricanes, or it can understand it can up it can withstand the flooding. So before it begins operations, it must meet the the regulation before it before it mm-hmm. starts operation. Okay, but one, they could still, like, you know, have the inspectors come and then still break it after. And two, this could, you know, be done by insurance companies or if the company's moving into, if you're aware of how, like, the covenant community idea is, before they join a community, they may get checked. Like, the community might say, like, for example, like, hey, we want to check out what you're building here if you want to become part of the community, like the previous owner might. But also, yeah, the insurance companies, because, you know, an insurance company's not going to cover a company that's 
going to be extremely liable for many uh, accidents. Again, like how uh, car owner insurance works. You know, you're not going to, an insurance company checks your driver's record too. So this could be, you know, done by insurance companies or even private investigators from the local town. Okay, I guess I see your point there, but... Yeah, I mean, like I'm saying, this is, um, Um, if I can refrain, like, I'm aware this is all idealistic. This is just my ideal philosophy, like, in the pragmatic solution, you know. Okay, so moving on, like, Wall Street, for example. Um, How can we, okay, if there's no government and self-regulation, how can we prevent uh, us from... How can we prevent us from going into another gilded age where we have essentially robber barons uh, robbing, you know, giving their taking all the corporate wealth and giving their employees like little to no salary? So you're kind of expanding on the idea that they wouldn't pay their employees anything like the corporations and that it would just be. You know, no, I'm talking about like in the gilded age. Where we had people making like, I think in mo- in modern in modern currency, I think uh, like a factory worker in Chicago in Chicago was making like five dollars, four dollars an hour. Being like, I think it was they were there a lot of fact steel mills in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because Pittsburgh used to be the steel capital of the world. Um, in nineteenth century Pittsburgh, the average steel worker would work like sixteen hours a week, no, sixteen hours a day. And was only making four dollars an hour, and he had, ex- and he was working on extremely dangerous work conditions, and that was because there was little, there was like almost no regulation at all. But uh, so let me just like, would you willingly work for four dollars? Let's say four dollars an hour in dangerous conditions. Well, they didn't really have a choice back then. They didn't really have a choice. It was like li- it was live on the street and beg. Or have a I mean, dangerous job and have a, a shack. But uh, also, like, in because, you know, there's a lot of laws about, you know, owning your own personal garden. I'm sure you're aware of those. Well, like, you could provide for yourself or start your own small business because there wouldn't be as many laws and regulations that do so. But uh, also, like, let's assume if wages dropped, prices would drop with it, and it would just be kind of like inflation, if that makes sense. Like, because if nobody... Cause, Let's assume everybody was doing working dirt cheap. They wouldn't be able to afford anything. So then the profits would go down for uh, the corporations, the business owners. So they would kind of have to lower their prices too to make sure more people are buying. So but we said, but that's like, happened before. That's happened before in the nineteenth century. We had that was before regulation. We had biz. We had dirt cheap labor. And or the labor they were making money off the workers, but they weren't getting they were not getting proper wages. Uh, they had like Rockefeller, for example, he was he treated his workers like shit. Um, Vanderbilt was pretty terrible. Um, so Rockefeller, for example, he gave his workers little to no wage. They were working long, long hours, and they had l- dangerous work, little wage, but yet they still with the little wage with their cheap labor they still were not they were still unable to survive in the in the cities they lived in by like the prices didn't go down well that was also because rockefeller got a you know a huge monopoly on a lot of his oil 
And really in a lot of anarcho-capitalists, a lot of monopolies wouldn't happen as they are protected by the government, but... But even back then, they were not protected. They 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 used the government to not regulate them. It was only when Roosevelt came in, uh, Theodore Roosevelt came in, and they started breaking them up. And he put and he put the boot on. He started laying down the fist of this. We're not going to allow this. The day, these the days of you being in charge are over. So without like Rose, when Roosevelt started using the government to regulate what he was doing. Like that was only CC. when people started their wages increase. Yes. Well, it was also like, that was, so. Yeah, in an anarcho capitalist society, you would likely, I mean, because there wouldn't be any, you know, laws against unions like there are now. Like, you know, there are laws like, you know, protecting the corporation. So workers could literally just, you know, drop everything and walk out, and the company owner would kind of be forced to rise their. Raise their um, wages. Sorry, misspoke. But also, again, uh, it would come down to competition too, as there would be you know more competition in an anarcho-capitalist society. Things would be more local too. But uh, it would come down to competition. Like if you were getting paid two dollars an hour, and someone wants more workers, they could just wait or raise the wage up. More people will work there. And other businesses who are losing workers raise it, and they raise, and they would rise naturally, also at the rate of prices, because if wages get too high, and it's not just for inflation, then prices rise unnaturally, too. Um, guys, can I interrupt for a second? Um, I yeah. was hoping to get into the news in, like, five, six, or even seven minutes. We can, uh, yes. Do you um, want to do, like, you guys one more wanna... okay, I just have one more question, though. Okay, go right ahead. One more question. Okay, first, I just want I'm just going to have a few yes or no questions. Though you have a few more yes or no's. Okay, though you have criticized the LGBT community, do you believe gay, like normal gay people, you know, not the crazy, not the crazy ones that run to the street covered in rainbows and half naked. I'm talking about just normal gay people who have normal jobs. You wouldn't and normal, even know. Uh, normal life. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't even know unless you saw them walking down the street, you know, maybe holding hands or you know, sitting on a park bench, uh, you know, loving on their partner, but just no, like, you know, just normal, normal gay people. Should they have the right to get married? Oh yeah. 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 I don't think that should be a government decision. I've stated that multiple times, like marriage and marriage should marriage. be just up to like churches or even if it's just a contract or even if it's just a label, but I don't think that the state should be involved in marriage period. So no matter what, unless, you know, obviously consent, obviously. And it's okay. Yes. Yeah, so, if it's two consenting adults, then it's fine. If you know what I'm saying. All right. What about polygamy? Like, what if a Muslim couple? What if a Muslim guy wants to have three wives, or if a Mormon man wants to have three adult wives? So, like, are you talking in an anarcho-capitalist society? Well, yeah. Like in your ideal, your ideal society of a, yeah. a, a society. Well, and it, that would come down to like. Where they look, like theoretically, they could say yes, you know, do that. But also at the same time, if people don't want to associate with them, they'd have that right. So, if they lived in a community that didn't like that, they would be removed. Like they wouldn't be associated. But so basically, yeah, in an ANCAP society, you know, you can do whatever you want right. to uh, infringe on someone else's property. So, if you kind of get what I'm saying, like you go. Um, okay, so. Damn! What else was I gonna say? Okay. Very clear that uh, you are. 
a black sheep among a lot of libertarians because you are vehemently against abortion. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I have thought about this a lot. You asked a few months ago, is there a way you can regulate abortion in an anarcho-capitalist society? And I don't think you can. And I've I think I commented on your thing, I've, like, I don't think there's no way to. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in an anarcho-capitalist society, it's not that there's no law. It's that it's, you know, different than our current state. Like, they're really the only laws... They would likely be about murder and stuff, but it also depends on where you live. So, like, little communities could ban it, theoretically. But also, you know, I think there needs to be a cultural shift. I'm sure you'd agree that'd be a solution. Uh, yeah, it could, but... On abortion. California, yeah, California... If we do, yeah, living in an anarcho-capitalist society, California is not... California is going to allow it. New York's going to allow it. Chicago's going to allow it. Uh, Miami, Florida is going mean, to, uh, you know, maybe... Like, small Christian communities in there would, like... Like where I live, and... Cleveland, Texas. Yeah, where I live, it's very Christian, very Bible-thumping, yeah. Despite the fact that, you know, I think... Are you a deist? Am I correct? I think you said you're a deist. I, I am. Yeah. Okay, so you believe in creation, but you think the idea of a God that cares about your life and cares and listens to your prayers is stupid, mm-hmm. or you just don't believe that? Yeah, All right, so yeah, you, you're, you're, uh, you, do you, okay. So yeah, a lot of our founding uh, fathers were deists. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so a lot of, you see, as I said, a lot of our founding fathers were deists. They did believe in creation, but they thought the, I, like, Franklin said the lighthouses are more, lighthouses are more effective than churches. Yeah. Uh, Payne said the world would be a lot better if there were no religion. Uh, Jefferson said the idea of uh, Christianity is just one of the stupidest religions on the earth. He's also he criticized Islam too, but he said, "But since Christianity yeah. was the he Jefferson roughly heavily criticized it." But anyway, um, despite the fact that a lot that most Christian that nine Christian fundamentalists are against abortion. Uh, what they don't know is, I just have to point this out, if there's any fundamentalist Christians listening, uh, Bible literalist, and you believe every single word of the Bible is true, number one, uh, because the Bible contradicts, the New Te- the, New- the Old Testament contradicts the New Testament, um, mm-hmm. hell, the apostles, um, the New Testament contradicts each Jesus. Other. Yeah, Paul. Paul, Peter, and Luke contradict Jesus himself. Okay. Um, I just Paul, who's supposed to be the great apostle. Yeah, my abortion stance has nothing to do with biblical. Mine has to do more with, you know, the non-aggression principle. But anyway, get back to it. But anyway, if you're, if you're a fundamentalist Christian, like, oh my god, I hate, I just hate mentioning this guy, Joshua Fierstein. Uh, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's, he's, he's a moron on a lot of issues. But the only re- but he is extremely anti-abortion, and the and the only reason he gives is because quote the Bible is against it end quote. He said that multiple times um, in the book of Numbers. It it specifically says that if a woman cheats on her husband, she is to go. Uh, the, if the woman if the if the guy believes his wife cheated on him, he goes before the priest. 
and the priest will make her drink this water. And if she did cheat on him, uh, the uh, the fetus will die, and it will just fall apart. I don't know what happens, but the fetus will die. And if cheater and his husband's just a paranoid idiot, then the fetus will be okay, and it's their baby. But it would still but, most of the time, right? Like this, whatever. yeah, most likely. Because it's it's like some poison. It's supposed to be like some poisonous juice. So I'm pretty sure it probably yeah. failed all the time. But anyway, if there's any fundamentalist Christians out there and you believe every single word of the Bible is true, um, you need to rethink your whole ideology. Uh, because according to if you literally believe every word of the Bible is true, uh, you need to support you. You should support a law. That says that if a woman cheats on her husband, she should get an abortion and she gets pregnant. If you believe every word of the Bible, just saying. Well, yeah. But I, I am for choice my, because my, I do my. believe. Um, because like I, I would say before fifteen, sixteen weeks, it's not really viable, or it's not like I do. I do disagree with New. I do disagree with New York's uh, new uh, twenty-four week law. Yeah, I do disagree with that. And I've seen a bunch of people freaking out about it, and I said, yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. I think 24 weeks is yeah. way too late. But yeah, I my abortion stance is not built. And yeah, the Bible is uh, contradictory in uh, many of its stores and stuff. So my, my position on abortion, again, it's not biblical. Like, I don't obviously believe that some, that, you know, a 2,000-year-old book tells it the right way. But I just think that, um, although I agree with some, moral aspects of the Bible. But I digress. Uh, my more abortion stance, again, it comes from the non-aggression principle, kind of my own. And, you know, scientific evidence I've looked at. and It's just been one of those things that, like, has never changed, no matter how much, you know, I've looked into it. Like, I remember from a really young age, you know, before I even learned like politics or anything i heard about abortion i thought man that's messed up so i thought isn't that just killing but my, my stance is just murder and obviously in an anarcho capitalist society murder would be you know illegal possibly differently defined as it is among states like really my thing is decentralization so you're right it would be like uh so down, you have uh, like so kind of you know, so you're kind of like adam coke you're like Adam Kokesh. Adam Kokesh has said that he wants to make, he wants to eliminate the federal government, and he wants to establish, he wants to make um, laws more localized and make the towns and states have more authority. More, um, yeah, he doesn't want there to be a federal, a centralized power. He wants there to be more local power, so the people have so more people have a better say on what they want over multiple different ideologies and multiple different types of yeah. people having say over everybody. And it is more voluntary, you know. Like, Californians can be progressive and um, Texas can be Christian. Obviously, it's not 100%. I'm not saying that for all the libertarians. Oh, uh, yeah, we are becoming... We almost... We were just... Uh, we were five points away from electing Beto O'Rourke, um, who yeah, I actually awesome. voted for. Um, guys. Yeah, um, it's mostly because 
Yeah. Uh, can you oh, guys... I was going to say, I have to go, so. Okay. Thanks for having me on. All right. Do you want to get in the Steve. news, Bennett? Uh, yeah, sure, let's do it. All right. So the first uh, news story uh, is involving uh, Venezuela. Uh, so right now um, there is uh, a big uh, issue right now. Uh, right now the, uh, the leader of Venezuela, um, I believe his name is Maduro. Um, uh, Nicolas Maduro. Yeah, Maduro. Um, there is uh, an attempt uh, to... Um, uh, take him or essentially remove him from power uh, and essentially um, uh, insert uh, an intern uh, president uh, who will bring uh, a different sort of change uh, to Venezuela. Um, Right now, uh, the uh, um, right now, um, uh, Guedro is um, uh, uh, Juan Guedro uh, is the uh, intern president uh, of Venezuela, or he's being acknowledged by some as the intern president. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different um, hullabaloo and a lot of different speculation and argument as to whether he is the uh, official uh, intern president. But right now, Donald Trump is considering him the intern president. Uh, as is apparently um, the Europe, uh, a bunch of European nations. Um, uh, however, some people are saying. Uh, I think Bernie Sanders ha- uh, chimed in on this. Um, some people um, are saying that there should be a non uh, that America should not be intervening uh, here. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, the congresswoman from Hawaii, who is currently a candidate for president, is saying that America should not uh, interfere uh, in what's going on with Venezuela. What are your thoughts personally on what's going on with Venezuela? I absolutely agree with uh, with uh, Congressman Gabbard and Senator Sanders. I love I like Bernie Sanders a lot, and I, I agree with him absolutely. Uh, this is not our problem. I am very I uh, personally am very non interventionist. Um, as I said, um, earlier in the, in the podcast, I said, um, Chris Kyle was not actually a hero because the war in Iraq was not justified. It was, it was an foreign invasion. So yes, this is not our problem. This is not our business. Uh, and despite how bad it is down there, this is not our problem. And if you look at what's happening, a lot of it is because the U S sanctions on Venezuela, and one thing I have been hearing a lot, especially from a lot of conservatives, is um, this is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders want to turn America into. No, 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 no. Uh, I just have to clear up this. They're either lying or they're stupid. I'm sure a lot of people, most of the leaders are stupid and are liars. And most of the followers are just idiots. Hey. But anyway, I just have to point this out. What Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Bernie Sanders actually want is a Scandinavian-style social democracy. We don't want socialism. Very different thing. Very different thing. Um, But anyway, I do believe it's not our business. It's not our business. The United States should not be the sole superpower. If it doesn't directly affect us, then we should not intervene.
Now, you said um, you believe Chris Kyle is not a hero. Um, if um, uh, Do you believe, though, that um, he is responsible or he is to blame even if um, – uh, even if he was not the one who waged the Iraq war and if he puts his life on the line, uh, why do you believe, uh, does that make him a hero? Why or why not? Um, no, it because he didn't fight. He did not fight for freedom. Um, it wasn't, uh, he did a lot of, a lot of, um, people say, Oh, Chris Kyle fought for our freedoms. No, he didn't. Um, the Iraq war was not about freedom. Iraq was not a threat to the United States, not one bit. Uh, Saddam Hussein had no interest in the United States. Saddam Hussein, um, though he was an imperialist, he didn't want to get involved in the United States. He wanted to stay in Saudi Arabia, or he was planning on invading Saudi Arabia, but that's not our problem. We could have made a trade pact with Saddam. But anyway, um, no, because all most of the people he killed were not terrorists, or they were not at first. They were just normal Iraqis. A lot of them were... Christians were not Christian, but they're Islamic fundamentalists who were a lot of them were just defending their homeland. They saw the United States as a foreign invader, like the way the French saw the Nazis, and uh, they were just trying to defend their homeland. They were he was not a hero. He was killing people that were pissed off that the United States thinks they can just walk in and tell them what to do. And a lot of Iraqi people, and even a lot of journalists have said that the, a lot of soldiers in Iraq actually treated some of the locals like shit. Um, they would do those Humvee. There was one video uh, where they were doing like this patrol around Baghdad, and anyone who was walking on the street, if there was a traffic jam, they would just go around it, and any Iraqi citizen who was like walking down the street, there was like in the video, there was a woman pushing a stroller uh, and she had a baby in it, and they're telling her, get the fuck out of the way! They're screaming, you're telling her to move, they're saying they're gonna shoot her, she doesn't move, and like, no wonder. And I think to yourself, no wonder those people fought back. You treated them like shit. Number one, you shouldn't have even been there. I think Chris Kyle's a hero because he didn't fight for anyone's freedom. He didn't fight for Americans' freedom. He, he was just a foreign invader who was, fought like, just like any of the Nazis were, or like, uh, the Red so the Soviet Red Army was to Finland uh, he was not a hero that's all I wrote to say he was a foreign invader so he wasn't a hero alright anything else you have to say on that or should we move on that's really it he wasn't a foreign he wasn't a hero he was a foreign invader right. and he just so happened to be one of the most deadly he, he happened to be foreign invaders in history though alright um, so Roger Stone uh, has been arrested uh, by the FBI uh, for lying uh, during a testimony uh, to uh, Congress. Roger Stone, the, uh, the um, Republican donor um, who, uh, uh, who was a big part of uh, President Trump's campaign in 2016, uh, was arrested uh, by the FBI for, um, for, uh, allegedly lying to, or for lying, uh, under oath to Congress. Um, what are your thoughts on Roger Stone, uh, and his arrest? 
Uh, number one, I don't agree with anything he has. To, I don't agree with like ninety percent of his policies. But number two, um, the FBI going into his head, knocking down the door, you know, surrounding the whole place with guns. That was that was overkill. That should not have happened. These lawyers, and he they he should have come in formally. And maybe sent a police officer over to his house and just to make sure that he didn't tamper with any evidence. They should not have done what they did. What they did was wrong. And if he did lie to Congress, they should have just sent maybe a few officers to the house to make sure that he did not tamper with any of the evidence. And he should have peacefully and formally come in and got his mugshot and got a suit and tie, as he said with his interview with Sean Hannity. Um, but yes, I do believe that was overkill. And if he did lie to Congress, then he should be investigated and put on an out for that. But what the, the the way they invaded the House was overkill, yes. And if that is a crime, then they should formally do a criminal trial for that. Anything else you want to say on that issue, or should we move on? Let's move on. That's it. All right. So um, the 2020 presidential election uh, is heating up. State Senator uh, Richard Ojeda uh, has announced that he will, a Democrat from West Virginia, has said that he will be dropping out of the 2020 race. Uh, Ojeda uh, unsuccessfully ran for uh, a seat in the House of Representatives uh, in November. Uh, a couple days after losing his election, he announced his candidacy for president. However, he has said that he is now uh, suspending his campaign. Uh, in a post, in a message via Facebook, uh, he said he believed that because he was not a billionaire and be, uh, because he did, believed he uh, did not have the money uh, as or didn't have as much money uh, as some of his other Democratic challengers. Uh, that made the odds of him winning virtually impossible, uh, and for that reason, he was going to be dropping out. Um, we do know one uh, Democrat uh, who will not be running now, uh, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, Democrat from California, uh, was heavily rumored uh, to uh, be running uh, in uh, the 2020 election. Some people even viewed him as a top contender. Um, however... Uh, Garcetti has now uh, ruled his name out. Garcetti has said he, he doesn't want to run for president in 2020. He wants to continue being mayor of Los Angeles. Um, so he will continue to do that. Um, but we do know one Democrat that will be getting in. Uh, Senator Cory Booker, Democrat from New Jersey, um, has confirmed he will be getting into the 2020 race. Um, so that's a big deal. Uh, we also know that Howard Schultz, Democrat from Washington State, um, will be getting in, uh, or may be getting into, is considering a run, but not as a Republican or a Democrat, but as an independent. Um, many people, many Democrats, uh, responded, uh, negatively to this news, um, as they believe, uh, uh, Schultz's candidacy could split the vote. Uh, and lead to a Trump victory uh, in 2020, including Jay Inslee. Uh, Jay Inslee also, uh, Governor Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington State, also condemned uh, the idea of Schultz running, saying that if he's going to run, he should run as a Democrat or don't run at all. 
Um, Inslee is from the state that uh, Schultz currently resides in and is currently uh, exploring an explore or he's currently formed an exploration committee for president in 2020. What are your thoughts on all these news about all these uh, Democratic candidates uh, getting in and out? Bernie Sanders, 2020. Uh, screw them all. Um, uh, okay, so Tulsi Gabbard, she, I like her a lot. I do like her a lot. Uh, but Bernie Sanders has just a, has a longer history of just being a better progressive. Uh, she was anti-gay in the past, but she has recovered from that because her her family was very Hindu fun or a bunch of Hindu fundamentalists. So I do like Tulsi Gabbard. She has recovered from her anti-gay past. Uh, her voting record is very pro-gay, so I think she's over that. That she's completely over that period in her is anti-gay. Um, all the other neo, all the other um, neoliberals, Kamala Harris, uh, Schultz. Um, I did like Richard Ojeda. I was kind of a little bit uh, sad that he dropped out, but uh, I do believe. Kind of be a little bit of a negative because he would split the progressive vote, allowing an establishment neoliberal to be the nominee and would probably lose to Trump. Uh, because let's just face it, the neoliberals we've had, if we have a Hillary Clinton 2.0, Donald Trump will drive her to the ground, or whoever it is will drive him or her to the ground. Um, I despise Cory Booker. Um, I think this whole legalized marijuana thing he's saying is probably just a, is I don't think he's actually going to care if for some hellish reason he wins the presidency. I do. I don't think he's actually going to legalize marijuana because he's a bitch to big pharma. And if people have the right to grow, can buy marijuana, they will lose tons of money because more people would rather just get marijuana than have to buy tens of thousands of dollars, not tens of thousands, but just hundreds of dollars on drugs, on prescription drugs. Um, but, oh, sorry, continue. Uh, but yes, Tulsi Gabbard and Bernie Sanders uh, are the only two I'm actually taking seriously. Um, Elizabeth Warren has quite a blind spot on foreign policy, and um, I am very reluctant. I am. I still have a little bit of a steam to let against her because she supported Hillary Clinton over Bernie Sanders. And um, Kyle Kalinske, one of my favorite uh, YouTubers pointed this out that he does think she might. The only reason she supported uh, Hillary over Bernie in the primary was because she didn't think Bernie would win, and she thought since Hillary Clinton had a more establishment history, she had a most like she had a more likely chance of winning. So, so I will give her. It's kind, of, it's kind of bittersweet on that issue because she she lines up with Bernie Sanders more than she does Hillary Clinton on issue on policy but i think the reason she did come out for hillary over bernie in 2016 was because she did not think bernie was going to look like the um, who was quote against the first woman president and quote but anyway yes um screw them all tulsi gabbard are the only two i actually am taking and uh, speaking of Hillary Clinton, there were reports um, earlier this week that uh, Clinton may be considering a 2020 presidential uh, run uh, again. Um, do you think that that's possible? Uh, and do you think there's any likelihood that she could win the nomination again? 
Um, okay, the, the idea for winning the nomination is just next to nothing. I know, I know a bunch of people are going to point out, well, so many people doubted Trump. Listen, listen to me. Um, if you are one of the, okay, if I'm not directly talking to you, but if there's someone out there who thinks, oh, well, don't doubt Hillary Clinton because we all doubted Trump in 2016 and he became president. This is a whole different ball game league compared to the Olympics. This is kindergarten little league compared to the World Olympics. Um, Hillary Clinton won, uh, she ran for president and she lost. She does have a large cult following, but it's not it's not even fathomable to get her reelected or to get her to get her to the primaries again. If she does run for president, which I hope she does, I hope she does not actually because I would honestly feel bad for her just because of how embarrassing she would look. Despite the fact that I would have a hard time actually feeling bad for um, considering her in her insidious um, political, um, I don't think she would run. If she does, it's going to be a very stupid thing. I don't think she'd make it. Um, I don't think she'd make it um, five months. And if she does, if she does stick around, then she's just doing it for the publicity. But anyway, I don't think she would. I don't think she will. But if she does, it's going to be a stupid idea. All right. Um, so why don't we move on with that then? Um, so let's yeah. move on to um, the State of the Union. So Trump uh, on Tuesday is going to give uh, his State of the Union address to the nation. This comes after a heated. Uh, history of the State of the Union. It initially started out uh, with an initial date for the State of the Union, but then that was canceled following the government shutdown after Nancy Pelosi canceled it. But now there is a new date, um, and uh, Trump is going to give his uh, State of the Union on Tuesday, February 5th. Um, and we now know that um, uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, the Democratic uh, candidate, uh, for governor of Georgia in 2018, uh, will be giving uh, the official DNC response uh, to uh, Donald Trump's State of the Union uh, address. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trump uh, giving a State of the Union on February 5th, and what are your thoughts on the idea of Stacey Abrams giving the official DNC response? Uh, number one, it's just going to be two hours of him just spatting bullshit. Uh, number two, um, okay, I am quite a black sheep on the left. Um, I do support the idea of a wall. I do. I support the idea of a wall. And um, I've gone as far to uh, and because I just want to remember, remind, I am an extreme black sheep on the issue of immigration. Um, some progressives on Instagram have, have called me, have compared me to Steve Bannon and Richard Spencer. Um, but I'm a freeze on all third world immigration. And some people call me racist, but, you know, all third, we should do a freeze on because, let's just be honest, a lot of them come here and get on programs and get taxpayer funded, and we're taking money away from actual American citizens who need it, and we're giving it to immigrants. Number two, we have um, we have a lot of people out of the workforce 
who are there's a lot of white not just white i don't know why i said that but there's a lot of people homeless people um homeless people who would love who would do anything to work but they would demand a higher wage than most immigrants would uh so would i okay would i you know have a problem with paying five cents five extra cents for something no if i know there's an american citizen getting paid and has somewhat of a life to live uh, i live in a area of the united states that has been heavily affected by the massive massive immigration we've had and i would advocate yes we do need to freeze all third world immigration and i've said some i told some people that maybe um I don't know if this is ever going to happen, but we need to repeal the Heart Seller Act of 1965 because ever since 1965, we've been getting a whole lot of shit and we need to end it now. All right. Um, anything else you want to say on that or should we move on? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on Stacey Abrams giving the uh, giving the official DNC response. I don't really know why that'd be an issue. Uh, but... Hold on just a minute. What do you want? Open the door. What do you need? Open the door. Fucking God. Listen, pause the audio. Wait a minute, but when we act, when you actually publish this, just cut out this audio. Okay. But I don't really have an opinion on Stacey Abrams giving the... I don't really know why that would matter. Um, I don't. Re- I honestly don't know what she does. Like, what, like, what does she do right now? Well, right now... If she you can cur- find that out. She currently does not hold office. Before she ran for governor, uh, she was uh, the minority leader in the Georgia House uh, of Representatives, and that was what skyrocketed her her to become governor. Um, Now um, she's kind of giving giving speeches um, and and whatnot. Right now there's a rumor she's going to challenge David Perdue for the Senate seat in Georgia in 2020, Um, but that's just a rumor as of this moment. Okay. Um, I don't think she would win. Okay, I'm just going to say I do not think she would win um, because Georgia is state. So her winning is very unlikely. But I honestly, but now that you say that, I don't know why they would get let a state, um, a state representative. Um, I don't know why she would give the response, even if she's just a state representative. I would have expected them to give like a federal representative or someone that has federal power over someone that just has state power Some people believe to do it. it was because she got national attention uh, during the 2018 midterm and um, Oprah Winfrey actually came down to support her as did Barack Obama Oh yeah, there was some, uh, yeah, there was actually a crazy ad um, that actually made fun of her because she had Oprah Winfrey Supporting her, I don't know if you saw, it, but Sam Cedar, who is a progressive YouTuber, did a covered covered it as a ad um, done by some very uh, done by a very right wing group in Georgia, um, where it was it's something like Aunt Jemima, your um, Stacey Abrams wants to be your Aunt Jemima, and she's and her and Miss and uh, Miss Oprah Winfrey are going to give everybody a brand new free car. Oh wow! And. Yeah, you can look up the video. Uh, Sam Cedar goes into it very, very well. Um, Number one, that's just that's stupid, and that they're hinting at the fact that Oprah Winfrey a few years back gave everybody in her audience a new car. 
but still just that that was overblown and almost it was it was some people argue it's kind of racist it, it kind of is they're calling her like um, she wants to be your aunt Jemima she wants to but anyway um now you say you support the wall do you believe um, the wall is important enough to shut the government down over? And do you think that if Trump cannot get um, wall funding from uh, Nancy Pelosi in the House, he should declare an, a national emergency? I'd go to yeah, um, I'd declare a national emergency. Um, I don't know how that's going to hold up in court, but I w- but I hope he does that. I hope he does that instead. Um, but no, I do not want to shut down the government because I have – there's a few people I know that are government workers, and they have been struggling really bad um, the past few months. And so, no, I don't want him to shut down the government. I want him just to, to, to do national emergency and get over with. All right. Anything else you want to say on that, or should we move on? That's it. All right. So um, – uh, Montana Attorney General uh, Tim Fox is entering the race for governor in 2020. Um, in 2020, there will be an open seat in Montana. Right now, Steve Bullock is the incumbent governor. Republicans would like uh, to uh, pick up that, that uh, governor's seat um, that uh, in a state that Trump won by 21 points. Um, but it is, um, they haven't, there hasn't been a Republican governor in that state since 2004. Um, but Tim Fox is hoping to get in, uh, Corey Stapleton, the secretary of state of Montana has also gotten in as a Republican. Uh, what are your thoughts on him entering the race for governor? Um, I don't really have an opinion because I don't see, I'm just, I don't want to be rude to any Montanan, to Montana people listening to this podcast, if there are any. Montana's not that significant. Listen, you, you, your state's beautiful. I go, I love to go, um, the, I haven't been to Montana in a few, I went to Montana a few years back, and I loved it very much. Your state is gorgeous. You, big sky country, beautiful mountains, beautiful scenery, but you're not that significant to them, to the political stage. Sorry. Um, but I don't really have an opinion about this issue, uh, mostly because Montana is not that significant, and I don't know. I don't know if he would win or not because there have been where Trump has won and they've gone blue in the past election. But twenty-one points a, a large hurdle uh, because it's not Trump because Donald Trump has a has a sort of magic that a lot of politicians don't have. So I don't know if he would or not. All right, then. Why don't we move on? Um, so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, just got uh, sworn in uh, to the House of Representatives. She's uh, only in her first term, or she's only in a month into her first term of office, but could she be out uh, already? So um, earlier this week, a group that um, targ- that uh, helped uh, Ocasio-Cortez upset Joseph Crowley in the primary uh, for her seat uh, in the House uh, is now um, uh, targeting moderate uh, Democrat Hen- Henry Kuehler, a Democrat from Texas, um, in an attempt to try and oust him uh, in order to get a new, more progressive face in that seat. 
as a result, Gregory Meeks, uh, Democrat from New York, uh, is now threatening uh, to prop up a primary challenger uh, who he would help fund uh, against Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in 2020. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would destroy whoever it is. Um, her ideas are very popular among the American people. Look at most polls. Now, I will admit she is, in, in a way, she's not that smart. She does say kind of dumb things sometimes, yes. Um, like, a lot of people gave her shit for saying three even though she did correct herself and say to uh, uh, she did correct herself and she said later in that video what she meant was the three main bases I guess I, I'm trying I don't know what word to use but the the three main bases of government you know the Senate the house the Senate the house and the presidency but a lot of conservatives just hackingly uh, just cut off the video when she said three chambers of government uh graham allen is a good example um graham allen is i'm a, a dumbass i've been watching him for about two years now he's quite but anyway um a lot of conservatives you know just gave her shit uh, because she said three chambers of government that she corrected herself later in that video but she has good I- ideas her ideas are good medicare for all universal college um but Yes, I don't. I don't think she. I don't think she would lose uh, popular uh, along among a lot of people, let alone her district. Uh, so, I doubt she would lose. I think that they're going to embarrass themselves. And this and the congressman here in Texas. Uh, yes, I would love for him to get overthrown, and I would love to see a new progressive take over his seat. Now, if Gregory Meeks throws a lot of money behind uh, a candidate or a primary challenger, um, do you think that that could uh, hurt her, or do you think that the grassroots movement is going to be strong enough to overcome uh, any highly funded challenger? I think the grassroots movement uh, will will most likely win, mostly because her district is... Uh, land-wise, pretty small, so it'll be easier for her to generate a lot of support. And plus, uh, if she can get out there and say, "Hey, this guy is funded by people trying to screw you over," or any other argument she can make, she would get a lot of her supporters out and vote. And I think she would win re-election. All right. Um, why don't we move on then um, to the story that um, a lot of people are talking about this week? Uh, Governor Ralph Northam, a Democrat from Virginia, uh, is now under fire uh, for um, uh, for a photo uh, which has surfaced, uh, which features uh, it was a photo from it was a page from his yearbook, um, uh, which showed uh, an unidentified person, allegedly Northam, uh, doing blackface um, standing next to. Uh, some person uh, in K- an unidentified person uh, in KKK garb. Um, this was released by a conservative outlet online. Um, and um, uh, a lot of people have now uh, been uh, calling for uh, Mr. Northam uh, to resign. Um, 
right now, uh, 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 let me see if I can pull up the official tweet. Um, here's what she uh, said. Yeah, a bunch of people have been advocating for a yeah. sign. But here's what here's what she officially says. She says um, leaders are called to a higher standard, and the stain of racism should have no place in the halls of government. The governor of Virginia should step aside so the public can heal and move. Uh, forward together. Uh, Julian Castro, the former HUD secretary, former mayor of San Antonio, who's also a candidate for president, also says uh, it doesn't matter if he is Republican or Democrat. This behavior was racist uh, and unconscionable. Uh, Governor Northam should uh, resign. Um, And uh, it should also be noted that both uh, of uh, Virginia's Democratic senators uh, Tim Kaine uh, and Mark Warner have called for him to resign. Uh, Mark Herring, uh, the Democratic Attorney General, has also called for him to resign. Um, uh, Ralph Northam initially initially said that he was the man in blackface in the photo. However, uh, he has walked that statement back, um, and he has said that the reason um, he has walked that statement back, and he has said. Uh, that he now believes that that wasn't him. However, he does uh, admit that there was uh, uh, an incident uh, in college where he went to a party uh, uh, imitating Michael Jackson uh, in blackface. Um, But it gets a little bit more interesting. Uh, Now, initially, Northam is saying he won't resign. Um, Some people believe that he may eventually come around and change his mind. Um, but here's where it gets a little interesting. Um, right now, um, uh, if Northam resigns, um, uh, 39-year-old Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax, also a Democrat from Virginia, will become governor. But today, uh, sexual assault allegations came out against who the man who may be the next uh, governor of Virginia from 2004. Uh, Fairfax is saying that this has called this a, quote, smear uh, to try and prevent him from becoming governor. Um, if both um, if both Northam and uh, Fairfax resign, uh, Mark Herring, the Democratic Attorney General, is the third in line uh, to become governor uh, of the state. But what are your thoughts on this whole controversy with Ralph Northam? Do you think he should resign? And what are your thoughts on Justin Fairfax uh, the allegations, the sexual assault allegations about him from 2004. Well, um, so even if he was in blackface, um, this was 34 years ago, and I don't think this is really an issue anymore. Like he, he was just a dumb kid; he didn't really think about it. So I don't think well, I don't think we should give him shit over something he did 30, 35 years ago. Um, also, in the 1980s, especially in Virginia, um, attitudes towards race were very different than they are now. Back then, being in blackface was not as near as bad as it is now. And plus, this was just 35 years ago. I don't, I don't think people should be huffing about this. I don't know um, the extent of Ralph Northam's uh, political policies. I don't know if he's a neoliberal or if he's a progressive. But I don't think this should be a big issue that everyone's focusing on. Um, and number two, uh, the Fairfax guy. Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, it's accusation is one thing. So if he wants to settle this, he should take this to court. Or if he doesn't want to, it just depends. Uh, but I don't think we should get all huffed and puffed about accusation uh, over accusation. And if, if you want to prove this, then it should be proven in a court of law. Do you believe that um, if he were to take it to a court of law, assuming Northam resigns um, and Fairfax decides to take it to a court of law, do you believe that he should uh, step aside uh, to settle it in a court of law? Because some people right now, um, right now, um, some people are saying that um, Northam, or one of the thing, one of the things Al Franken said, the senator from Minnesota. He said part of the he said the allegations against him were false, but he said part of the reason he was choosing to resign was because he didn't want the investigation uh, to interfere with his work in the Senate. Do you think that Justin Fairfax should follow the same model uh, and step aside uh, to ensure that that doesn't uh, affect his work as governor, or do you think that it's not a big deal? Um, what are your thoughts? Um. I guess like he could do with uh, what Al Franken is doing, um, because it just depends on what he wants to do. Uh, but if he wants to get this whole sexual allegations thing settled, then he should take it to court and let the judge and the jury decide if sh this woman is telling the truth or not, and get all the evidence and just court things. But. Um, if he wants to go the Al Franken model, or if he uh, or if he just wants to step aside and let someone else take over for him, that's his decision. Okay. But I do think that this should, uh, if he cares uh, deeply about this, and he should settle it in the court of law. All right. Um, now, um, is there anything else you want to say on that, or should we move on to the last story? That's it. All right. Let's move on to the last story then. So, um, Joni Ernst, Senator Joni Ernst, Republican from Iowa, is getting um, uh, is going to go through a separation uh, with her husband. Uh, right now, she is claiming that her husband uh, abused her physically, um, and um, for that, um, and she's also claiming that she was raped uh, in high school, and that was what. Essentially, that led to this really um, toxic relationship that she had with many men. Um, but she's claiming that she's going to uh, she she's separating him be, she's separating from him uh, because uh, allegedly uh, one one day she came home and she uh, and he leaped on her uh, and he sat on her and he 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 physically abused her. Uh, in multiple different ways. Um, but um, right now, Joni Ernst, um, uh, right now, um, uh, the governor, uh, or, or right now she's saying that, or that's essentially what she's saying right now. Um, but yeah, so Joni Ernst is um, going through that right now with her husband. Um, uh, and she's saying she might um, get uh, right now they're going to get separated and she's also saying she was raped uh, in college but her husband is saying right now her husband is saying uh, that um, he's claiming that uh, she dated other men uh, while 
she was uh, in the Senate. So what are your thoughts on what's coming out, what Joni Ernst is saying? Um, okay, hold on. I just got to think of everything you said. Um, okay, uh, the, the abuse case. Okay, first I want to say, when you said uh, he leaked on her, uh, does that mean he pissed on her or he ejaculated on her? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Like, no, the 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 husband is not being accused of rape. What he what I mean when he leaped on her is he literally like jumped on top of her. Like, not oh, in- you said leaped. Oh. oh, I thought you said leaked. No, no. I'm like, he, wait, did he piss or did he ejaculate on her? No, he 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 jumped on her. He 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 leaped. Oh, okay, okay. On her, he didn't actually okay. like. Now he now she is saying there was a boyfriend, an unspecified boyfriend in high school or no, not in high school in college, uh, that she says uh, raped her. But um, she's saying her husband, she there there's she's not saying her husband raped her, but she is saying her husband physically abused her. Okay, um, yeah. So as I said, uh, ag- allegations like this should be taken to a court of law, and if. She- he cares much about it in court. It should, where you know, criminal cases are settled. And um, what was the other issue? Like, should she was like, what was the other issue? Oh, the other. Well, the other issue was that she's saying she was. Uh, oh, yeah, her husband is claiming that uh, she went around and dated other people in Congress uh, and cheated on him. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty shitty of her. Well, that's what he's Unless claiming. he, okay, well, There's no evidence so far of it, but that's what he's. That those are the claims he's making right now. Okay, well, that's their business. Um, when it comes to politics, all I really care about is policy. Um, but if he did abuse her, if he did hit her, then that should be taken into a court of law. Um, but from a relationship uh, point of view, if she was cheating on him in the Senate, if um, if these um, allegations are true. If she would, then I would say then that's pretty shitty. But still, if I would not hit her, I, um, I would not hit her over it. I would just say like "fuck you, bitch, I'm leaving," and I would just leave her and dump her. If she would, the uh, the abuse allegation should be taken to court, and uh, if she has evidence that this rape that went on in college is true, then I guess if she cares a lot about it, um, then I guess she should take it to court. All right. Um, anything else you have to say on that? Uh, no. That's up. All right. Um, well then, thank you again for joining me today. Uh, before you go, why don't you tell people who are new to this podcast where you can be found on social media? All right, um, I am Bennett Martin. You can find me on Instagram at Bennett Martin Twenty Twenty, and you can find me on Snapchat at B Martin Capital B Martin Eighty Two O Two. All right, thank you again, sir, and make sure to listen to. Uh, President Review uh, every Friday. Thank you again, guys, for joining me. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has spent years fighting the problems of sexual assault and harassment in the military. A congresswoman, a senator, Kirsten Gillibrand took over for Hillary Clinton when she resigned from her Senate seat to become Secretary of State. 
Now, Gillibrand hopes to do something Clinton couldn't do, become America's first woman president. This is Kirsten Gillibrand, and this is her story. The Candidates Donald Trump has got to be defeated, and I intend to do everything that I can with every other progressive in America, making sure that that happens. Their stories. We got a real opportunity to build something. And their fight for the White House. Keep America great, exclamation point. Keep America great. This is Presidential Profile 2020. At that inflection moment, where were you? This is that moment. It's our job to remind the American people that we're looking out for them. So all of you showing the country how you do this. The special interests and the powerful have such an outsized influence and outcome to restore our democracy. Kirsten Elizabeth Rutnick was born in Albany, New York on December 9, 1966 to Polly and Douglas, who were both attorneys. Douglas was also a lobbyist. Kirsten had two siblings, Aaron and Douglas II. Dorothea, Chris, Kirsten's grandmother, was head of the powerful Albany Democratic Women's Club. Kirsten is of Australian, Irish, Scottish, German, and English descent. Her parents divorced in the 1980s. Gillibrand took on the nickname Tina as a teenager, but eventually took on the name Kirsten again. She attended M. Willard High School and went to Dartmouth College. During her time in college, Gillibrand interned for Republican Senator Alphonse D'Amato. After college, Gillibrand pursued a career in law and became part of the Davis, Polk, and Warweld law firm. During that time, she served as a defense attorney for Philip Morris, a tobacco company, whilst it was going through litigation. Her time at Davis Polk was what began her run in the Democratic Party. Gillibrand worked for the Women's Leadership Forum, which was a part of the Democratic National Committee. She later went on to head the program. Gillibrand talked about how then-First Lady Hillary Clinton was her role model. She served as a special counsel for then-Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Andrew Cuomo and worked for Clinton's 2000 Senate campaign, to which Clinton was successful in winning. Gillibrand later went on to work for Bowie's Schuyler Flexner LLP in the 2000s. Eventually, she married the love of her life, Jonathan Gillibrand, to whom she has two boys with. Eventually, Gillibrand began to flirt with the idea of a run for Congress and transferred to her com company's Albany office. She left the company in 2005 and began her work on her campaign. Reason of discontent for voters? Democrats hope so. They're trying to capitalize on public dissatisfaction with the war in Iraq and the way President Bush is handling it. 2006, when Republicans held control of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives, Democrats saw a huge target of opportunity. With the Iraq war raging on, Democrats were able to attack Republicans running in the 2006 midterm elections, tying them to unpopular Republican President George W. Bush. With, with Democrats seeing a large target of opportunity to take back Congress, one vulnerable man who they eyed was Congressman John Sweeney, 
who represented New York's 20th district in the U.S. House of Representatives and was vying for a fifth term. Democrats heavily targeted the seat. Eventually, Gillibrand announced her candidacy and won the Democratic nomination for the seat. What happened to the $300 billion we sent to Iraq? Halliburton got $18 billion. $9 billion is just plain missing. And our congressman, John Sweeney, has been caught red-handed voting for all of it. That's money we need for jobs and health care here in New York. Now John Sweeney is ready to dump billions more in Iraq. John Sweeney, another Republican caught red-handed. With 3.2 million members, MoveOn.org Political Action is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Sweeney suffered from multiple gaffes. Weeks before the election, a report of domestic violence between Sweeney and his wife came out. Gillibrand, running in a purple district, ran as a blue dog Democrat. She had an A from the NRA at the time. On election day, Democrat Elliot Spitzer won his election for governor of New York by a landslide, as did Hillary Clinton, who won re-election to the United States Senate. Both Democrats managed to sweep New York's 20th congressional district. This gave Gillibrand a boost. She ended up unseating Sweeney by a six-point margin. And so I'm concerned that we need to enliven women all across America and ask them to be heard on a greater level. In Congress, Gillibrand joined the Blue Dog Coalition and expressed oppositions to giving driver's licenses to illegal immigrants. She opposes sanctuary cities. In 2008, former New York Secretary of State Sandy Treadwell challenged her on the Republican line that same night Barack Obama won the presidency. This gave Gillibrand a boost. She defeated Treadwell by a landslide 25-point margin. In early 2009, President-elect Barack Obama announced Hillary Clinton would be his nominee for Secretary of State. As a result, Clinton resigned from her Senate seat. The job of appointing a replacement to Clinton's seat fell on Democratic Governor David Patterson. Caroline Kennedy, the daughter of President John F. Kennedy, as well as Andrew Cuomo, the now Attorney General of New York, whom Gillibrand once worked for, were both considered. Some rumors suggested Patterson might appoint himself to the seat. However, Patterson chose Gillibrand to replace Clinton. Gillibrand took office as Senator just days after being sworn into her second term in the House of Representatives. Upon taking office, Gillibrand took a more progressive stance on the issues. She supported stronger gun regulations and now has an F from the NRA. She supports sanctuary cities and supports abolishing ICE. In 2010, Gillibrand had to run to defend her seat in a special election. She defeated former Republican Congressman Joe Diaguardi by a 27-point margin. In 2012, she ran for a full term, defeating Republican attorney Wendy Long by a whopping 46% margin, winning with over 70% of the vote. Rumors spread that Gillibrand would attempt uh, to run in 2016 for president. However, she declined. After Clinton, who once held her seat, lost the presidency to New York Republican businessman Donald Trump, Gillibrand became a harsh critic of Trump. Gillibrand supported the Medicare for All plan and ran for re-election in 2018. 
Rumors swirled that she would run for president in 2020, though Gillibrand initially declined, saying she would serve out a full six-year term. In November 2018, Gillibrand took down Republican businesswoman Shell Farley by a 34-point margin. A few days after the election, she expressed interest in a presidential run. In 2019, she officially announced her candidacy for president. I'm filing an exploratory committee for president of the United States tonight. Tonight. For more 2018 presidential profiles, keep it right here on Politics Weekly.